Next to healthcare and finance, retail is one of the most popular artificial intelligence application areas that we cover at techemergence.com. If you go on Google and you type in AI in retail or retail robotics or a bunch of other permutations, you're going to see us as number one in Google. And there's a lot of talk, certainly on the show here on the podcast and some of our research at conferences about how much easier in many cases it is to leverage data science and machine learning for e-commerce versus in-person retail. And that's a topic that we grapple with on this episode here on the AI and Industry podcast. We interview Sumit Borar, who's the Senior Director of Data Sciences at Mintra. Now, Mintra is owned by Flipkart, which is one of the big unicorns in India. During our big research project called AI in India, if you go on Google, you type in AI in India, you're going to see the report. Pretty in-depth. We talked to a lot of senior artificial intelligence execs at some of the most exciting companies, certainly all the unicorn companies in the Bangalore area. In this particular episode, we talk about the challenges of bringing dialed-in, personalized marketing and recommendations to the physical world and what Mintra is doing in that particular domain. Also, we talk about the challenges of bringing e-commerce into the developing world. We all assume probably here in the United States, where many of you are listening in, or maybe in Western Europe, that sort of e-commerce works the same everywhere. Everybody knows how it works. You get on your computer, you get on your phone, and you order things. But as it turns out, people's behavior who they're buying for, how often they buy, what devices they use, varies drastically in different parts of the world. Sumit informs us about the very curious and different ways that online and kind of e-commerce experiences are being used by users in more rural areas of India, for example, and some of the unique hurdles that they've had to overcome. So anybody looking to apply sort of machine learning and data science to the e-commerce world in developing markets, and anybody aiming to bring retail to the 21st century with data science in the physical world, should certainly be listening closely to this particular episode as we dive deep into those subjects exactly. So without further ado, this is Sumit Borar with Mintra, and I'm Daniel Fagella. You are listening to AI and Industry. Let's dive in. So Sumit, I figured we'd start off with talking a bit about how recommendations and personalization play a role at Mintra. I know that apparel has some of its own unique concerns. It's different than maybe purchasing an iPhone or you know purchasing a car. Different purchases have different kinds of issues. Where does personalization today really play its most important roles at your company? Let's start this way. When shopping for apparel, apparel doesn't have a name for a product. All we are looking for is usually either a brand or article type. Let me give you an example. Tommy t-shirt or a CK t-shirt or a CK jeans. Now, on an offline retail store, you'll have like 10 maybe jeans to sort through or like 20 t-shirts to look through and select. On an e-commerce side, the limitations in terms of rack space is not there. So we can provide large amount of inventory for our customers to choose from. Now, the downside of it is, let's say a customer is searching for a CK t-shirt, I can give him like thousands of results, right, which are matching to his taste, which are matching to his query. Now, the... Critical part here is customer is usually loses interest after selecting for two or three, looking through maybe 10 t-shirts, and then he'll be like, okay, I can't find what I'm looking for, or there's just too much information at this point. And this is where personalization comes in, where we can understand users' intent, understand their preferences, that the users, when they, let's say, for example, users looking for a black t-shirt, 
what kind of brands he shops before, what kind of price points he's looking at. Does he usually prefers round neck versus a collar t-shirt, half sleeve versus full sleeve? All those preferences are usually very clear from his past behavior. And that's what personalization means to us is that can we use those preferences and show him the correct black t-shirts or the right black t-shirts for him. Yeah. And so there's a lot, I guess, you'd have to infer here, Sumit, or maybe you have to ask overtly. Yes. You know, gender and age, I imagine, would make these differences very robust. And possibly where they are geographically, there's a chance that that factors into things. You know, it, Absolutely. I, I, I guess it makes me think about recommendation engines in general, where we're kind of mapping the preferences of a million similar people and seeing if we can map them to those people. But is this mostly based on their behavior alone? Or in part, do we get to collect some of that information about who they are, you know, not just geographically, but, you know, gender, age, etc. Or is it really mostly clicks, purchases and their IP address? And that's what we know, you know, what's getting factored in here? So uh, usually we classify these signals into two things, right? One are the signals which we can get from the users by asking them questions or by explicitly seeing their intent. And the other one is the implicit, which is either clicks, uh, you know, views and what they have purchased in the past. So those are the two explicit and implicit signals, two broad categories of signals which we collect from the user. Typically, explicit signals are where we ask questions or where we have like, you know, some kind of interview with the user or you could have like how Stitch Fix is doing where they will ask a bunch of questionnaires before. That model typically works, however, that has a large drop off in terms of how users will respond, right? They want to just come shop and go away. Yep. Don't want to answer 10 different questions. Implicit signals, which are also more valuable because in questions, I might be conscious about what I want to say or might not want to say or in that day's mood might be something else. However, humans generally follow a pattern when they're in our day-to-day -day life. Implicit signals kind of capture that pattern very well. So if I typically look at, let's say, base color while shopping and not really bright colors. Now that might not come out when I'm asking an explicit question. However, implicit behavior will clearly tell me that. The other thing is on the explicit side, there are only limited number of questions we can ask. However, implicit, we can drive a lot, lot more things from user, right? Like uh, how his preferences versus short sleeves versus long sleeves. Does he prefer like a slim fit versus a baggy fit? All those kind of things. And sometimes things which a user might not even understand or know about. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, yeah. They might not know what a slim fit is, but they might be purchasing much right. more products like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe they are really fast forward in terms of fashion or conservative in terms of what fashion they wear. From a retailer point of view, it's very helpful. From a user point of view, user would be like, no, I'm very fashionable. Right. Or I wear the latest fashion. However, that might not be true for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, that, that's funny. And you don't want to be the one to break that news to them, huh? Right. Yeah, that wouldn't uh, be. That would... <laughs> it, like everyone has a different taste. Nothing wrong with it. No, like, nothing I'm usually wrong with very that. conservative yeah. in my clothing. Yeah. But I would like to think that it's fashionable. However, when I see my data and then analyze it, it seems like, yeah, I'm not really fast forward in terms of fashion. I'm like more <laughs> on the conservative side. That's hilarious. I like it. I see where you're headed here. And actually, this brings up a pretty interesting point because I imagine almost any recommendation personalization, and we'll get a little bit more into this, 
application would have to consider what you're considering, which is where does explicit versus implicit information come in? Now, you know, slim fit genes versus some other kind of fit of genes, you're right. A lot of people are not even going to know what defines slim fit necessarily. They might have the wrong idea about it, or they might just be confused about what you mean. And asking them overtly is probably not, you know, all that great. Similarly, you know, if you ask people about, you know, where they sit in terms of their fashion preferences, their words are way less important than purchases. Same thing with almost everything in terms of preferences. So implicit obviously is heavily weighted there. Explicit yeah. seems to make a lot of sense for stuff like age and gender that yes. probably aren't that subjective. Now, is that stuff that still gets factored in or do you folks tend to just lean away from explicit altogether? There seem to be some points there that, that actually are quite rational and the human mind wouldn't even be able to you know, hopefully, I'm not going to get confused about my Absolutely. gender or age anytime so, soon. So let me put it this way, right? Gender is a little bit complicated. While we ask for gender, we have two genders. That's a nice example. We have an implicit gender and explicit gender. And let me tell you why. Wow. Uh, implicit gender is something how people are shopping for. Because let's say I'm using the app, but I might be buying stuff for my wife. Yeah, no, no. Good right? call. Good so call. When I would fill a form, I would say, yes, a male. How are showing recommendations? To me, just for men might not be the right call because at some point I'm buying gifts or buying something for my wife or vice versa, right? And in that case, an implicit would also help along with the explicit information. So how we generally take care of it is we start, when a user comes in, we start personalizing based on their explicit and slowly we deviate and we move more and more towards implicit. Got it. Okay. You begin with the data that they give you because you're starting dry. But as things progress, you know, you may realize this is a man who signed up for this account based on at least what he said. Yeah. But he's in here buying for his kids and his wife and almost never for himself. And we learn this over time. And we're going to make sure that we send him recommendations that are relevant to his buying needs. Yes. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I forget. But I believe Netflix, when you log on, will occasionally ask people, who in the house is watching absolutely because they're aware that like you know the wife generally watches it on the weekends and the man generally you know whatever and that like wow we have completely different uh, you know recommendations and i don't know if that stuff is all that relevant for any commerce site like you folks because generally it's going to be the same person logging in it's not as casual a login no, as Netflix, actually, but maybe it is. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. In fact, we did this analysis a while back, and I'll tell you the reason why. It's again tied back to personalization. So we were recommending size recommendation for a user when user comes in. We want to show them the right size for the products which they're buying. Now, when we looked at a lot of data, we launched the stuff in production. We saw like it's not helping much. And when we went back to look at a lot of data analysis, what we found is that on an average, about one point eight three users are using same account to shop. And this is particularly true in India where like a household will have a same account and they would share across like with their brothers, their friends, their families. So now a lot of people are using the same account and it's muddying up the recommendations, the size of oh, prediction wow, for yeah. them and everything, right? So we also started doing something similar where we are asking, hey, who are you buying for? And put that on the app saying like, hey, is this size recommendation for me or for my brother or for my dad? 
Now that's fascinating because I think maybe this is something you guys are learning. We'll get into our last question in a second here, yeah. Sumit. But I don't know if that's different in India than in the United States. I know that e-commerce behavior in general is a newer world in India. I know that there's vastly yeah. more languages spoken. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's its own ball game in terms of until not all that long ago. I mean, you know, selling people on the very concept of e-commerce is still something that really sort of needs to be done in India. And obviously, you folks are working on that and doing quite well. It sounds like this whole multiple account thing is real in the same way that Netflix is. Somebody's, you know, daughter might use the same account that their dad has. And you folks need to know, okay, well, who is this now? Because there's this whole separate personality of behavior that comes on every now and again and this feels like a different person. Do you have to kind of ask them that when you see those crazy deviances or do you let them select that or how would that work? So two school of thoughts. Firstly, when I saw this behavior significantly different in US compared to in India, one of the my hypothesis for this is that while younger generation is in India is adopting this e-commerce and stuff very quickly, older generation is still getting onboarded on it slowly like while they're excited about it they don't know how to exactly use it or they're not comfortable using it yeah now in those cases what happens is they share an account i might be buying for my dad or someone else might be buying for their sisters or friends and stuff like that and that happens very common another part is access to technology in like tier three and tier four cities where one guy might be buying for like a lot of people in the town or in the village yeah yeah so that has led to this thing where we say, okay, who are you buying for? We initially started just saying, okay, we'll figure out the most dominant person who you buy for and we'll recommend that. That's how we started this journey. We'll say, okay, most of the time you buy for yourself and we are going to recommend for you. And then when you buy for someone else, you just go figure it out on your own. That was a little bit inefficient. And then we moved towards, okay, can you just identify the person who are buying for? And next time when you shop for that person, you'll know the size and we'll know what that person usually likes. And then we can go from there. Now, that actually saw great uptick and great adoption when we launched that feature. In fact, within four, seven days, we had over a million profiles. People were like, yes, I'm purchasing for this user, and they would write a name, and they would say, okay, this was purchased for this user versus this was purchased for this wow. user. Wow, yeah, yeah. So, and it also helps them segregate in their account, like, you know, yep. this was for that person, and this is for this person. So that's where the personalization is slowly starting. Ideal would be that we could identify on our own. However, that information is still quite sparse as of now because we want people to use the app more and more for us to clearly segregate between multiple personas of an account. However, right now we are explicitly getting that information. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this is interesting because a lot of people I think would assume everybody would get their own account and then they would just have different you know, behavior on the different accounts and that's fine. But again, you're talking about in India here, we might have you know, one person who has an account, but they buy for kind of like their village in some way. And and there's going to be all these different needs represented. And so you folks are now breaking it out in a similar way. I mean, I made the analogy and you jumped right on it in a similar yeah. way to Netflix, you know, who's here now or who are you buying for? And now we have a whole new set of personalization recommendation tailored to that's explicit right now. But then yes. when you go into those logins or those portions of the account, 
you are seeing recommendations from all the implicit you know purchase click etc behavior that that absolutely that users done got it okay so last question here submit and i'm really interested in your thoughts on this again to a lot of companies here in the states you know india is really a wild west in terms of you know e-commerce and apps and adoption and like you said a lot of millennials i mean they're jumping on this stuff quickly and yeah a millennial as far as i'm concerned you know kind of an interesting phenomena but a millennial is a millennial in terms of technology kind of from you know, the Ukraine to wherever you go. But yep. but yeah, you know, there's an older generation where there's stuff that's tougher. When you think about what is going to be possible as personalization, let's say, you know, two or three years from now, maybe even as far out as half a decade, that will become a norm. You guys are kind of pushing the envelope on the norms in terms of levels of personalization, recommendation. At some point, this is going to become part of business everywhere. Where do you see personalization going in the next two, three years, it's kind of an evolution of the technology. Where will regular consumers like me and like the listeners see this stuff all over the place in their day-to-day life? Absolutely. I mean, personalization, I mean, Google is pushing the front like crazy right now. I mean, if you use Android phone, you see it in Google now. It started with really like, you know, stuff which was niche. And now it's become like a habit where you, I would always go there to look at my news or to look at what score is for uh, warriors and stuff like that because it just knows what I'm going to look for and it just shows me the right things like if I'm looking at a, some flight then it will show that flight prices are going up or down all of that stuff now the next stage of the journey especially in terms of India is that look offline stories are not going to go away completely however the only channels e-commerce will start happening more and more. What I mean by that is you could carry your shopping experience from online to offline. And in those cases, also personalization will start kicking in because right now offline is really not organized in terms of what user wants and how they can target their customers, how they can make sure that what stuff to order for what area like it sits in the minds of the store managers and yeah, stuff, but it's yeah, not yeah. really like, you know, at the optimum level because a machine could do a much better job at figuring that stuff out. Like, how do I price my products? If I'm serving this area, who can I target? Can I have a mix of online versus offline? Like I can order online, deliver it to the nearest store, all of that stuff, or I can go check out stuff on offline and then have it available or buy it in the comfort of my home. All of that stuff will start getting more and more meshed together to provide a seamless experience across board. And the other area which I think it'll kick up more and more is, if you think about it, is the personalization in ads. So right now what we see ads are basically across like web, we start seeing more and more personalized ads. Like you would see ad totally different than what I would see on, let's say, websites and uh, YouTube or even like Mintra or Flipkart. However, more and more of that will start happening across the domain. So advertisers will know information across multiple domains and would start targeting customers even in offline world and online world together. Huh. So I think a lot of people are going to be very interested in how this vision would actually look in the real world. Just as we close out here, Summit, is there any potential example of something from the offline world where we might be able to see some of this rich online data? You know, I've talked a lot about and written actually a lot about how kind of relatively speaking easier it is for Amazon to do personalization than let's say Macy's 
just based on the fact that everything you're doing in the quote unquote store, which let's, you know, the app, the website is trackable. Everything you look at, everything your mouse hovers over, everything you added to cart and put back, you know, we don't need machine vision to do that. We just track your mouse and we have this amazing wealth of implicit information and we can look at your responses. In the physical world, this is hard. And so I'm trying to think about, based on what you're saying, what's an example of how the physical world could be similar, could integrate that kind of information? You know, yeah, how do you right. see it? Think about like reward programs. Think about credit cards, financial institutions. They have data across the offline, online world, right? More and more rewards programs that you see are across multi-stores, across multiple domains. Like you'll have the same reward program spanning across. It might be branded differently across multiple fronts, airlines versus a shopping mall. However, essentially in the back end, they would all be same. Huh. Now, what does reward program essentially, let's say I go to Ralph's or one of the supermarkets, essentially when it's scanning that I purchased all this stuff and this is my unique ID, right? And in return for that information, they give us some amount of cash back or some reward for that. Now, that information will start getting collected at a more broader level. And once that happens, what you get essentially out of it is our shopping or buying behavior and patterns. Sounds like you're talking about user accounts, but for the physical world, um, yeah. where we'd be able to retain all of that. And yeah, that definitely is, you know, rewards programs track that to happening. some degree. Yeah. yeah, to some degree. But it sounds like getting much more granular about that on all of our offline world, just like we do with all of our online world, yeah. is where you see, in many respects, things going. Right. Cool. Okay, perfect. Well, Summit, that's all that we had for time. I really appreciate you sharing some of your insights with us here at AI and Industry. So thanks so much. Thank you, Daniel. That's all for this episode on the AI and Industry podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications in business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI and Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Uh, most of our podcast listeners get our, the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. Uh, I'm Dan Fagella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week.